Well, we talked about the possibility of the inmates running the asylum uh, the last time we were here. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be tonight, but our dear pal Tyler Isley is away. I'm going to attend to some other matters. So it's mm -hmm. just Cam and I tonight. Yeah. And welcome back to the land of the scene, Cam. And also yeah. nice merch that you've got there. Right yeah. The throwback as, Wolverine. Yeah. As is my tradition, um, I will pick up the shirt of the two teams in the national championship. So yeah. hail to the victors. I need to... Uh, yeah. purchase them myself i have not had the time to so welcome back to the land of the scene i guess i can no longer make the joke about uh you know what happens if what what happens behind the scenes cam's not wearing pants or or anything like that I can't um, confirm i am wearing shorts yeah same here actually even though it is uh a uh, crisp 53 degrees it, i just i just got back from where it was like in the 70s but very windy and mm -hmm. I wasn't even three hours away. Well, I mean, maybe just a little bit three hours away, but. The greatest city on earth, right? You shut your mother. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man. And we could not stop them. Will you please, will the audience please refrain from throwing snowballs? Go Bulldogs! Yeah, Bulldogs! Yeah, wow. Not so fast, Midget! Not so fast! You guys are all part of the Taliban, man. I, I mean, you're you're a part of Al Qaeda. That Bill is not what I thought. Is that not what you thought, boy? Let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. What's your reaction? You're watching the same game I am. Oh no. no! What happened? Uh, Did it lose? It? Did you lose your? Yeah, I lost it again. Oh so. man! We thought we had figured out. Womp, womp. Uh, all right. Well, you have some atoning to do. You have uh, something to address here. Uh, we're gonna show this on stage real quick. Okay. Uh, I don't have the graphic, so this is the best we can do is the top 25 from our last episode. Cam, you weren't here, so I was told there were a couple things that you needed to address with your uh, top 25. First of all, why was Alabama so low in your top 25? Where did you have them? Uh, let me pull that up. Hold on just a second. I should have had that pulled up before the show started. That is a hundred yeah, percent well, bad. You if if you know if we prepared like we were actually doing a show, maybe yeah. that would have been the case. We're you we're three, four years in. I you'd not think quite we're professionals. About <laughs> three years almost. Yeah. We've done three full um, football seasons now. Anyways, so. top 25 of 2024. Um, so, yes, I've got it pulled up. Alabama, I had 20th. Why? You have to keep in mind, I made mine 
way before U2, and it was right after the news of Nick Saban, so the sky was still falling. Yeah, but at even least, if the, at even least even that's even retiring, that at least that was a thought at the time, and so I dropped I, them a lot. Yeah. And you know what? I just never went back and did anything with it. Well, I mean, that's not the worst excuse or the worst thing that we have on our top 25 because of you. Um, mm-hmm. Second question, really, and probably the bigger question. I don't know why I didn't lead off with this one. Um, as I quote from the man, Tyler Isley, in all caps, USC? Seriously? I can't do a Isley impression, so. Yes. Why? Yes, I, I do think that I do think that USC will be much improved this year. They addressed a lot of the issues that they had on defense, like not just Alex Grinch, but in the portal they did. That's mm-hmm. where a lot of their focus was. And I mean, like, let's be real for a minute. The problem at USC, or or you look throughout his career, as a coach for Lincoln Riley has never been the issue. So the offense has never been the issue. No, but and so I even, still think that until I lose, see it from the yeah. defense, and and that's part of what yeah. we were talking about on on Wednesday. And so I mean, I I can understand mm-hmm. to a certain extent because there were also things that. Tyler and I disagree on because he needs to see it, but I'm not going to make the mistake of, of starting off USC getting way too much hype only for them to fail to live up to it again. I'm going to yeah. reserve my expectations a little bit and let them overachieve or, or overperform. And especially going into the big 10 next year, yeah. it, it's going to be very tough for them to really stay up there. Yeah, and I totally understand that. I I listened back to the episode mm-hmm. at one point, and so like I totally understand your guys' skepticism. Yeah, but at the same time, like they addressed it more than they ever had, mm-hmm. and so I I'm going to be a little more optimistic in that it gets solved. However. I, I've still got them at like 19. So it's not like they're like, it's not like they're, I, I'm all of a sudden like, cause like I, I looked after I did mine at a few of the other national ones and some people had them up as high as like 10th, 11th. And it's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> no. So my last question um, that I'm going to ask about it, because I don't want to spend too much time, but I do feel like we should give you a chance, not a mulligan, but I, I give you a chance. If, if you had it now, what would you fix as we get closer to the start of the season? Is there anybody that you ranked lower that you'd move back up? Is there anybody that you put in? Yeah, that you I, rank? I would probably, the biggest thing is I would probably move Alabama up. Mm -hmm. Like again, everyone was overreacting in that little bit of time post Saban Um, ourselves included two degrees. And yeah, like it, 
to do over again absolutely i would change that but that is the that is probably the one thing i might move usc down a little bit but they'd still mm-hmm. be in my top 25 okay but all right well that is our top 25 cam gets to address some of the major controversies that were left unanswered based on Wednesday's episode. You want to see Tyler and I's thoughts on that, go back, check out episode 187. That's the most recent before our show here this evening. So Mm -hmm. let's untap the rest of the night. We don't have a whole lot, but we do have some things to go over. And it starts with one thing that should have been mentioned on Wednesday if we had been, you know, having somebody like Cam, our producer here, to see something live while it's happening yeah. in the moment. Um, Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley is not going to be the head coach of Boston College anymore because he was uh, announced as the new Packers defensive coordinator. That was while literally while we were live on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. uh, the Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur said in a statement, quote, we are excited to welcome Jeff, his wife, Gina or Gina, I would imagine Gina probably, but that's the joke. It's not, it's not Canada. Yeah, and their daughters Hope and Leah to the Packers and the Green Bay community. Jeff has had a success. Jeff has had success at every stop of his coaching career with an impressive track record of developing players at every level. We look forward to him leading our defense. Well, you know, this pairs him back up with uh, with uh, AJ Dillon. If I believe mm-hmm. he was there. Uh, head coach when yeah. Dylan was there. Um, um, I think well, maybe one or he was two years. One or two years, maybe. Like so I can't half- remember when Halfley started. Uh, he he was there for four years. He went 22 okay. and 26 and four seasons at Boston College. So I can't remember how long Dylan's been in the league. And, uh, and the at the question. same time, it's not like he's going to work with him much since he's no. on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. So Halfley went 22-26 in four seasons, brought the Eagles to bowl eligibility three of those four years, including this year, finishing 7-6 and six and beating the 22nd-ranked Ponies of SMU in the Fenway Bowl. Uh, says Halfley had resisted prior NFL coaching opportunities in the past, but his reasons for taking this coordinator job are rooted in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for one of the most for one of the NFL's most respected franchises. He wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football, a source told ESPN. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. A lot of the things that he went back to college for have disappeared. So, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense to a certain extent what yeah, he I, saying. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. I don't blame him at this point since there's so many uncertainties right now within the world of college football. We'll get to some of them in a little bit here. Um, Mm -hmm. But they, like, and he, everything I heard, like, he had been like heavily thinking about it the past few years. Like it wasn't just like, it's yeah, it was like out of nowhere. Like it was strong considerations the past few years. And so because of that, like it, 
it's not too too shocking um it's sad for boston college it felt like they were finally starting to get a little bit of momentum going their way because i mean boston college truly is never going to compete per se but they they definitely felt like there was a little bit of momentum there but i mean do you blame him at the same time no i really don't and i mean it could be one of those things that We talk about some coaches just not wanting to put up with it because they, you know, I understand because to a certain extent, the way that college football is getting is almost the same workload that you would have in the NFL anyway, as whether Mm -hmm. you're an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or a head coach. And you might as well, you know, deal with a front office and making draft decisions from players that have gotten, you know, elevated through the ranks or, or really come rise up to the top as opposed to taking some chances on the recruiting side of things. I don't know if I would do it. I'm not, I'm also not in the coaching game. So we'll see how it works out. And in all honesty, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be all right. I, I, you know, green Bay's, defense has been very inconsistent to say the least the last few years. And so LaFleur is trying to make this, you know, move to help shore up the defense because that's one thing that Boston college has had some pretty good success with at times under Halfley is, is defense. Now they yeah. really struggled offensively the last couple of years, more so than expected, but their defense was above average, pretty solid. Yeah, his his defenses typically fit the modern day game. Like they tend to be more aggressive, more attacking, mm-hmm. um, lots of man to man, and so with a secondary as young as the Packers, like great move for them um, to pick up someone like that from the NFL side perspective, type of a thing. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. Boston College now is open. So the portal, not the portal, but the carousel, it's still spending a little bit. I, it, It's tough for me to say that we're going to get another big rotation because of this move. I don't think that that this move is going to really set off like shockwaves like we talked about with, with Saban's retirement. It, I don't know if Boston College is going to, uh, you know, hire – promote from within or, or, you know, what the case is going to be, but if they go and get a, you know, like a FCS or a G5 level, then it would be another leg, at least G5 that we would cover FCS level, maybe not as much, but, um, so it says, uh, we got RJ in the chat. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Boston College has never invested in their football program. Halfley makes a very solid case. They've always been a program in the mold of one that has guys stay three to four years to develop, pay for play. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. That's fair. And, and that's, I mean, he, he stayed for one full recruiting cycle from mm-hmm. bringing them in as freshmen during the COVID year. You know, they could have left this year as seniors the, the whole way that, COVID eligibility is determined. I really don't think anybody knows at this point. So he probably had another year with some of those guys. 
Do you know if Caitlin Clark has a... a I think she does. I actually think she does. That's the scariest thing. Because there was uncertainty (laughs) uh, that she would even go pro. So she has another year or she can go play overseas. Fucking record that's never going to be touched. (laughs) I I don't think she's coming back. I I think she's... Especially if they if they win it all this year, but I mean that's mm-hmm. a completely different it, topic. Yeah, somewhat related it, to college, but yeah. still related to college. But it's just a thought that popped into my head. Mm. Okay, um, when you had mentioned the COVID year, like, yeah, well, he took like, over oh, in twenty twenty, so that that's happens. that's why it was on yeah. fresh on mine because he was and hired anyways, after the twenty nineteen season. Anyways, yeah. It's not. It's not going to be anything even close to yeah. the saving thing. They're going to so, get some, probably upper echelon group of five coach. Ultimately speaking, there's no way somebody leaves a power five school this late in no. the cycle unless they've got like alumnus ties to Boston mm-hmm. College, and no one's coming to mind right now in that scenario no i can't think of anybody um so it's it's really gonna be interesting to see how that plays out we will keep you up to date as far as we know with uh all the latest the next phrase of the coaching carousel if we get another couple stops on it that is but what we might have is the beginning of the end and And I don't think that I make an overreaction or anything like that when I say this because I read the headline, Big Ten SEC form advisory group as conferences bond titans. Now, why would the two biggest conferences in college football and most of college athletics in its entirety need to uh, come together and bond they, uh, you know, what, what happened to the Alliance? That, that, well, that was killed. Uh, I was going to say that was big, slaughtered big, like a pig, like three or big four ten years and, ago. Big 10 and ACC and Big 12 are kind of picking at the remains of the Pac 12. So that was, you know, in response to the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma, it led to the death of the Pac 12. And now, well, Big Ten has really positioned itself well as the, you know, equal partner at the playing table as the, to the SEC. The Big 12 ACC, they're, you know, they're not off the table. They're not off the island, but they are not the ones that are making the decisions in the back rooms and everything like that. So is this Bond, not James Bond, but the SEC Big Ten bond going to prove to be what leads to the end of the NCAA, or at least the NCAA having institutional control, if you will. The two conferences that are best positioned to tell the NCAA, we don't need you. I have no strings. You cannot hold me back. We're not playing by your coming in and arbitrarily setting rules after the fact to try to keep us in check. We don't need you more than you need us. 
Yeah, and they're doing it in the way that Thanos used that line <laughs> as well. Not not the not the not the original Pinocchio song. Anyways, no, it wasn't Thanos. It was Ultron. Ultron, yeah, yeah. I was about Sorry. to say Marvel villains blending together <sighs> there. But I, at least I got the same era correct. We're gonna put him in a five minute timeout. Anyway, um, no. Oh, that was a quick five minutes. So it says that the SEC and the Big Ten have formed a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to, quote, address the significant challenges facing college athletics and how to improve the student-athlete experience. Okay. What significant challenges facing college athletics? The NCAA is the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I, it, I was going to say that and a certain Pink Floyd song about money popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money, indeed. That is the way the world goes around these days. As, mm-hmm. as RJ said, pay for play. And with so many schools and so much money and feeling like You've got to keep up or you're going to be trampled and left behind. This, this really is a power play. I, I do feel like this is a power yeah. play by both yeah, these yeah. conferences to set themselves up, especially coming just days after Tennessee and Virginia basically are, are suing the NCAA for yeah. coming in and trying to put sanctions on them. When there for were rules for yeah, current day, yeah. when there were no happened. rules at the time yeah. that they're investigating based on the, the rules that are currently in place. I mean, I don't think so. And I, I just think that they're it's mm-hmm. it's not the first straw and it certainly might not be the last, but it might be the one that breaks the camel's back. It might yeah, be what starts the process. Uh, I, I think that this is the straw that's kind of starting to break the camel's back. Two conferences responsible or played a part in all the chaos surrounding college athletics wants an alliance now to oversee the future comedy. Good point, RJ. So move is significant. It reflects a growing relationship between the two largest and wealthiest conferences and their respective commissioners as the balance of power continues to tilt in their favor in the evolving landscape of collegiate athletics. Hmm. Power. Balance of power. Yeah, that's uh, pretty fitting. So it says, sources say that Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, the SEC Commissioner, have been working closely together more than their predecessors had at a time when conference expansion has further separated their leagues from the other FBS conferences. And of course, we know that the SEC is going to have Oklahoma, Texas joining in the summertime, while the Big Ten is adding four of the Pac-12 schools, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC. The advisory group was formed in reaction to, quote, recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and complex government proposals. So because every state is different and there is no federally mandated NIL, you know, that's what the schools are wanting. They gone to Congress multiple times, the NCAA has not really had a say to try to make it that way. 
So what do they need the NCAA for? Even if they're sued somehow, the what, what used to be the reason to have the the governance, the NCAA itself, the institution, the money that's flowing into the Big Ten and the SEC, mm-hmm. they don't need the NCAA. No, and I know they certainly I, don't care about you know how much money is going to go to the NCAA for all the other tournaments. They like more of that pie themselves. Yeah. So. Um, so. I did read on the athletic mm-hmm. that the NCAA did at least attempt to counter sue. Like, I don't know how well that's going to hold up. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think ultimately what happens though, if, if the NCAA has any leg to stand on, I think ultimately what happens is that is going to be the official bye-bye for the Big Ten and and SEC. They'll probably grab a few more schools, get up to around, right around 40, and then just both middle, both conferences, both middle fingers in the air saying bye-bye. Yeah, and I mean, just listen to this because another part of this says the advisory group will act as a consultant to leagues but will not have the authority to implement changes. I mean, yeah, of course they won't have the authority, but can we honestly expect that whatever changes they recommend are not going to be implemented? So, I mean, it's just, you know, another committee on committees, essentially. Yeah, and even at that, to what degree? Mm-hmm. You ultimately see why the people like Saban, um, even a few years ago, Chris Peterson retired because mm-hmm. they were jaded of all this. Yeah. So as Big Ten and the SEC have substantial investment in the NCAA, and there's no question that the voices of our two conferences are integral to governance and other reform efforts, what Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti said in a statement we recognize the similarity in our circumstances as well as the urgency to address the common challenges we face so i mean it's just you listen to the way that it's talked about the way that they are talking on this this isn't going to be an overnight thing game this is not going to be happening in the next couple years we're going to have a few years of maybe steady churning the waters. But this puts in place the idea that five, no more than 10 years down the road, this this is going to be the haves and the haves nots. And more often, more teams are going to find themselves in the haves nots than the haves, inevitably. Mm-hmm. Then now they'll still get, you know, some kind of, Oh, pity points or some kind of something to play for for little Timmy. It's not going to be anything that they care about, though. They'll have something else in place that only the two most, you know, basically, without 
trying to stumble over myself. The Big Ten and the SEC are trying to set themselves up to be the two conferences of the NFL in college football, the National Football yeah. Conference, the American Football Conference. What's left? The UFL, which was the XFL and the USFL when they merged together. You could have both which of those the two conferences. and FCS probably merging. I, I, I was thinking I was thinking I was thinking it would be more along the lines of the ACC and Big 12 consolidating. Yeah, and then anything else that is below that, the group of five, the FCS, then division two, three, so on and so forth down the line, there's going to be something else in place. I'm not sure what, but it will be very drastically different than what we've seen at any other point in the sports history. And when we get to that point, it will go back. We we talked about it being a game of you know, cycles almost. We're going to see regionalism brought back, y'all. Now, it won't be to the extent that it once was and what made the sport great. But when inevitably, if you're not one of the 40 to 50 teams chosen to be a part of the haves versus the have-nots, mm-hmm. if you're a have-not, you're going to go back to what made this sport great the traditions as opposed to chasing the bag and making it all about the money. The only thing yeah. that I can say is that let's hope that we can spare as many of the, the great matchups and rivalries that we love and, and, you know, help to preserve the archives of what the sport once was so that we have something to, you know, base what it's going to look like on in the future. I, I really do believe this. I think that this is a very realistic possibility. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, yeah, this is the way it's heading. There's just no real reason to feel like it's not going to go down this route at this point. And it's a shame. It's sad, but I mean, Isley to his credit, he said something when we were talking about the, uh, we were talking about something else completely, and I I said something about I just am, am kind of just tired of seeing all the changes and really, you know, just frustrated and upset. And he's like, why weren't you this upset when Texas, Oklahoma, or USC, UCLA joined the, uh, the SEC and the Big Ten respectively? I said, I didn't, wasn't a fan of it, but what good me getting upset about it is going to do what good does any of us getting upset about the way that this is going going to do because nobody's listening to the fans nobody's listening to the student athletes i mean do they want to add to their travel costs i i know we've, we've kind of talked about with what uh what coach drinkwitz eli uh eli drinkwitz said back in the summer about the you know, traveling and how much travel it's going to add to the other sports besides football. But it is true. I mean, there is certain truths to it. Yeah. And nobody cares. Nobody wants to talk about this on the national level because, oh, look, we get a good matchup between, you know, Ohio State and Oregon in, in week seven or, you know, oh, uh, Texas and 
Georgia are playing in week nine or, you know, I mean, and yeah, there are so some cool matchups. Absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to them, but at what point are we going to realize that we've gone so far in the direction away from what makes this sport great because we're chasing those huge profile matchups and all the ones that are going to bring in top dollar and top rating as opposed to what, what you post, you put up on the screen, what RJ said, what we want the brawl annually. We want Penn state and West Virginia to play more often than a home and home every 13 years or whatnot. We want Mm -hmm. games that matter rivalries, the traditions and the sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why would Texas and Oklahoma play? If not for tradition rivalry, they're six hours apart. I don't have to go to Dallas. They don't have to play at all if we're, you know, if we were if they weren't in the same conference. Mm-hmm. Why should you know? Why should we have a why game Texas between Texas play Rice? I mean, to not to you know make JFK roll over his grave, but yeah, I mean that is yeah. a fair point. There are a lot of games that we have said we don't need them. Even if we know the outcome, you know, I mean, there was, it's not like Texas has never lost to Rice. It's not like we've seen Texas A&M never beat Texas or we never seen Pitt beat West Virginia or West Virginia beat Pitt. West Virginia has beaten Penn State before. So why do we not have more of these games that matter to the fans of the sport in the areas that they are in? Mm-hmm. The NFL has always been the National Football League. College football, NFL Junior. No, college football does not have national in the word at all. What made the sport so great, what makes it great, is the focus on the schools, the traditions of the schools. What why should you spend however many hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're going to have to spend in the current state of the economy, the state of the world to go to a university? Why, why should I go to you? Why should I go to your school over this school? I know there's more academic arguments that you can make, but what's the atmosphere like? What makes people fall in love with the campus, with the sport? Fall in love with the atmosphere. You can't tell me mm-hmm. that Texas versus Vanderbilt is going to have the same intensity and hatred and passion as a game between Texas and Oklahoma or Texas and Texas A&M. Or even as of recent when we've seen Texas take on TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech. I mm-hmm. saw something just earlier on, on Twitter trying to you know, talk ill of the frogs from a Texas fan. I said, well, don't, what reason do you have to care anything about the frogs anymore? Now that you're moving on, I thought it didn't matter because you were trading in your record of four and 10 against TCU and football in during the span of the same teams yeah. being in the conference for matchups against Alabama four and 10 against Vanderbilt. Oh, wouldn't that just be the bees knees? Yeah. Because fuck them, that's why. You couldn't have said any better myself. Sorry for the E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. But, 
that's that's about it, I guess. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, I, I was yeah. I was in Austin earlier, so that, I, that was a beautiful soliloquy, though. Like you are a hundred percent correct, and I couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. Well, like I said, what's what's the point in wasting my breath going talking until I'm blue in the face? Nothing I say, nothing anybody says is going to change the direction that we're going down. It's just a shame. It's a damn shame, is what you might say. What the world's come to. What the college football world has come to. So. But with that being said, I know we're a little short, and we didn't really have a whole lot to talk about with Tyler not here. Um, I mean, I don't want to stall out or delay the inevitable. I can open it up to, you know, I can open it up to questions if you like, but. I really think that is about it for what we've got on tap tonight. Um, so, Cam, any other thoughts you wanted to share? Anything breaking while we were mid rant? I was going to say, I am double checking like the transfer portal as we yeah. speak. Nothing. Let's pull up recruiting I mean, as we're, a whole. We're starting to get some schedules. The FCS mm-hmm. level has. Really come out. Big there. Twelve leaked theirs the other day. Yeah, I we saw. talked about that on the show. Conference USA came out on uh, Thursday, I think. Mm-hmm. Is uh, yeah, it was Thursday. So I mean, that's just something to you know, not really go over too much because it's we've got ten schools now with Kennesaw State joining Conference USA. Um, mm-hmm. It says conference play begins with Liberty at New Mexico State, so a rematch of the conference okay. title game. That's going to be a slaughter. Yeah, probably. Uh, FIU at Indiana, Jacksonville State at Louisville, Louisiana at Kennesaw State, Liberty at App State, Louisiana Tech at Arkansas, Middle Tennessee at Ole Miss, New Mexico State at Texas A&M, Sam Houston at Central Florida, UTEP at Tennessee, and Western Kentucky and Alabama are some of the top non-conference matchups that will be taking place in 2024. Said, I know I bashed the SEC and Big Ten, but can we also bring up the fact the ACC started all of these with their dismantling of the Big East? Yep. Yeah. Go back it, to the early aughts. This is 2013 and- on steroids. I mean, but it's it's even more than yeah, that. You take you take 2010, 20, you take 2010 through, you know that that era of the early 2010s, and add mm-hmm. the, you know, ACC poaching the Big East in the early aughts. Yeah, and you might when, have when you might have some Virginia Tech. Yeah, you might have somewhat of what we've seen here the last couple of years. But the only thing that you can really make the argument that this is even somewhat remotely close to is the nineties when the Southwest conference dissolved as did the big eight, you know, the big eight Southwest consolidated with 12 teams, but there were still four others that had to find other homes. This was literally 12 teams. Not that you'd know about that or anything. Oh no, I wasn't alive. I couldn't have been. Well, no, I was alive, but I was still defecating in toilet and uh, in diapers at that time. So, so, uh, but no, so I, you know, I have no knowledge of what happened. I just read history. 
So, and there's also maybe a little quiz about it somewhere on the channel. Mm -hmm. Shameless plug. So, with all that being said, 40 minutes is not bad. It's one of the shorter ones that we've done. Hopefully, Isley will be back with us on Wednesday, our next episode, and we will see you then. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Check us out on Spotify, Loudmouth CFB. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. We are on X, Loudmouth Sports N. And, of course, we will see you with the next one.